Welcome everyone to the Ex Umbers podcast. Uh, here, uh, Scott McClarney and School and Foster. We are talking about Pentecost, the age of Pentecost, uh, and life uh, under grace. Uh, and so, here uh, personally, we're preparing for the great feast of Pentecost. But yes. no matter when you're listening to this uh, or, or viewing it, uh, I think what we're hoping to do here, I could be mistaken, but I think our, our genuine hope is to uh, speak about the reasons for our hope and particularly the, the age of the spirit in which we live in. Uh, so uh, this is uh, what we're hoping to get through, uh, saying a bit about Pentecost. Now, uh, yes, jump in. I know you want to Sure. No, I just want to point out, and also to how Pentecost um, helps us understand Scripture and how Scripture helps us understand Pentecost. So we're going to be uh, approaching it from slightly different angles, but showing, uh, maybe elucidating what's going on in Acts chapter 2, uh, maybe in ways that you uh, haven't heard before. Uh, and as a reminder, this is a, uh, we are both teachers at St. Isidore Learning Center, the Chesterton Academy, the world's only online Chesterton Academy. And uh, we have both been religion teachers uh, at Chesterton Academy. So this is the sort of uh, discussion you may hear us have. Uh, right. ha- hear us having. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm, I wasn't speaking in tongues there. I can barely speak <laughs> okay. English, it would seem. But you know, if you sit in on one of our classes, you may uh, enjoy a conversation like this. So... Acts chapter 2, of course, is the story of Pentecost. Uh, And we've talked about a couple of things before on the podcast that I'd like to bring up again. One is that I was raised Pentecostal. Oh, yeah. So I grew up around charismatic worship that sort of tried to recapture what was going on in the book of Acts. And another another podcast we did was on Marx and Plato. And I made the point that there's a kind of communism going on in the book of Acts. And you pointed out very correctly, I think, that that has to be understood through the lens of Pentecost. Yes. Uh, you can't divorce that. You can't secularize right. that. It's right. because Pentecost happens. This is some kind of consequence of it. Yeah. And I think it's really what you need is to read all of Scripture together, including maybe some more obscure passages. Um, Acts chapter 2, of course, I'm sure everyone listening or watching knows, is where you have the, uh, the apostles together in the upper room. There's a wind that blows or something like a wind that blows. Tongues of fire fall. And they speak and preach in different languages, or at least are heard in different languages. Yeah. Because this was something that was debated uh, among uh, medieval theologians. Did they speak in different languages, or were they simply heard? Was it a miracle of speech or of hearing? Oh, right. Right. Okay. Uh, I, I, and how did they, what did they conclude? I don't think there's a dogmatic <laughs> definition, but oh, I, do, okay. I don't agree with it. But I love the theory that it's a, um, a miracle of hearing, which I guess would mean that they were all preaching in... I suppose Aramaic. Sure. And just everyone heard it in their own languages. Okay. Because I imagine that it would sort of be like watching a foreign movie that was dubbed. Okay. <laughs> like, right, right. Like, so their lips, you know. lips are moving. Yeah, but everyone's way, hearing but it dubbed hear it. into their okay. own language. It'd be like um, uh, the Enterprise or uh, Doctor Who, right? They have the yeah. universal translator, right? That right, right everybody that, can operating. hear it speaking in their own language, even though they're speaking in their own okay. original tongue. But uh, You, you prefer is, the other interpretation uh, that I, it's, a, it's a miracle of speech? Yeah, I mean, I, I think First Corinthians bears that out more okay. uh, the way the way that paul talks about speaking in tongues uh yeah. sounds more as though okay you're, you're but i mean that's that's a separate thing that's uh, pauline but yeah. uh, anyways we're, we're going to unpack a little bit about what's going on in this and of course this happens on pentecost which is a, a jewish feast originally right yeah. feast of weeks that's right so there's lots to unpack here but i'm gonna let you uh, start because you are the headmaster and oh I am just okay a, a teacher well so. so it might be helpful if we mentioned acts here already uh, if, if you have a Bible, you might want to check it out. Or maybe if, if you don't have the ability to do so at the moment, something you can keep back in the back of your mind. Now, I would actually back up a little bit. Uh, I mean, you can back up all the way to Genesis 1 uh, to, to get a sense of the ruach. That's the Hebrew term for spirit. Also translates as breath or wind. And so if you're familiar with the opening lines of Genesis, in the beginning God created the earth, the earth was a formless void, and God's spirit, uh, or ruach, hovered over the face of the abyss of the deep. And so that can be said, your Bible might say wind, or might say breath, and so on. But that, that's the same creative power of God that's at work within uh, creation. And lo, what unfolds is, um, verse 3, I believe it is, God says, let there be light, and there's light, and then creation begins. And there you have... I think this might be a follow-up podcast, which we were musing about, talking about the Trinity. We have a glimpse already here of the Trinity. Do we not? Absolutely, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. God the Father, who's the source of creation. Uh, you have the um, the Word, which is spoken, uh, the Logos. 
All right, uh, and then things come into being. And then God's spirit, which is active in creation here uh, and giving it shape, form, mm-hmm. right, to, to the chaos uh, the, that, that's that, uh, below. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this movement, uh, which, which we see right at the very beginning, anticipates the, uh, the Paschal mystery even. Uh, and how so? Because uh, Christ's descent to this world is not just the light shining in the universe, but he becomes one of us, takes on flesh. And there uh, then will give his breath of life, his spirit to us, that we can be drawn back uh, to the Father. So this movement, this recapitulation, if you like, this going out and then returning and bringing back this great harvest. Um, all right, so if that makes sense. Uh, we can see the opening pages of scripture, this uh, insight into the Trinitarian uh, life of God. Uh, certainly, uh, we see um, um, echoes of that there. And also this, this movement, this uh, element to creation. And then when we see Pentecost, it becomes this fulfillment of, of, of being drawn back. But let's, before we get to Pentecost, let's back up a little bit into the Gospels. I know you want to talk about Zephaniah, as we can get to the prophets a little bit anticipating. But uh, here in the life of Christ, uh, the first Pentecost, mm-hmm. uh, I actually, when we did go this in, in class, I was pointing out to the Gospel of John. So yes. it, it occurs at the foot of the cross. Now, what we actually talked about this uh, when we're talking about Our Lady Queen of Heaven, perhaps some other times, but it, there you have the Son who's uh, of, of God who's on the cross, the Word who's been silenced, and from the silence preaches his greatest sermon. But some of his last words, he says uh, to the beloved disciple, Son, behold your mother, and to Our Lady, Mother, behold your son. And this is the formation of this new ecclesia, right? This The church is born. And Importantly, he, um, from the cross, breathes out his spirit. And so this is the beginning. Uh, it's the end of Jesus' mission in the incarnation, but it's the beginning of the age of grace. Uh, and so, so... So the language there, this, is, this goes back to what you were saying, about yeah. Ruach in, in Greek, pneuma, right? Right, that's um, right. It can be translated different ways, can't it? Sure. A plain, straightforward translation of this verse in John 19, right, is yeah. Jesus breathed his last, right? Yep. That, that, that's how it can be, because it's he, he gives up his breath, right? Yes, he uh, gave up the ghost, he gave up as the, ghost, as the which, King James puts Yes, it. right, which yes. is the origin of that idiom, that yes. giving up the ghost, yep. right? Uh, it's interesting that I would choose that word ghost, because it does it invokes the Holy Ghost, right? That's that old language. Oh, right, that that's right, yeah. So maybe that was intentional on the part of the yeah. translators. But So it could mean literally Christ was on the cross, and he, he gave his death rattle. Right, he yeah. exhaled one last time and died. Yeah. Um, but of course, there's that that, uh, and this will come up again. And I think this is where you're going, right? The the fact that Christ's physical breath being a symbol of the Holy Spirit, of uh, the breath of the breath of God, right? So it can also be he. Well, I believe it can even be almost translated. He handed over his spirit, right? Like there's a giving over of uh, it. Yes. Like, yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. He gives. Well, gives up uh, the spirit. Yes. Yeah. He's giving it. Which yeah. which there's um, two things going on there. One is that he's giving it. Uh, to the Father, right? Into right. your hands, I yes. command my spirit. Yes. Right? He's yeah. giving up the ghost. Yeah. But he's also obviously giving it over to us in some sense because because it's it's oh. meant yes. to be linked with his um, uh, with what's going on from his side, right? There's yeah. things coming out of his body mm. on the cross. Right? He's what falls. comes out again? I forget. Well, if memory serves, yes. it's uh, water and blood yeah. come out of his side. Right. Right. When the, and this, could, this, uh, this will take us a little... Ast- well, no, I think this is relevant because it's about the birth of the church, right? Pentecost yes. is called the birthday of the church, right? And, of course, the parallelism is the first Adam falls asleep and out of his side comes his bride. Right. The second Adam falls asleep yes. and out of his side comes his bride. So if any of my uh, evangelical friends are listening to this and they say, well, you know, you just need faith in Jesus, right? Like, why do you need the sacraments? Well, John oh, is kind okay. of indicating this. It, it's that if you want to get to Christ on the cross, you've got to go through this blood and water that's spraying out of his side. And what is the church? I mean, that parallel is, is intentional. There's lots of Genesis stuff going on in John 19, yeah. right? The, the, <laughs> a man and a woman standing in front of a tree and all this. Yes. Right? Yep. Um, but this, the, the bride of Christ who comes out of his side is the water and the blood, which comes up again in Johannine literature, right? It's it can mean lots of things, but one of the things it definitely means is is baptism in the Eucharist, 
Let me let me uh, test you on that sure, a little bit. Okay, put okay, or push sure. back. I mean, I agree with you, but sure, but, sure. but uh, why would you connect that to baptism and the Eucharist? Uh, well, um, first of all, we because John first John talks about there are witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus that are going on uh, even now. Right? Okay, uh, and some of these witnesses are you know the Spirit, the water, and the blood. Right. So it has to be okay. something that's present, because you know, John's gospel, I mean, he says this a couple of times at the end, yeah. right? This is meant to show, basically prove to you that Jesus rose from the dead, right? right. So there has to be some witness that's ongoing even now. This is going to come back when we talk about Pentecost. Because okay. the ultimate proof that Christ is risen is yeah. the Spirit in this church. Right. That's yes, the proof yes. of the risen Christ. Yeah. So this has to be something, this isn't just, I happened to witness this thing that happened. And again, yes, there's, it's like the four levels of interpretation of scripture we've talked about. Right. There's a literal sense in which um, I, I know there's been medical uh, analyses made of the crucifixion. Yeah. The fact that water and blood came out showed how he died, like that he died yeah. under stress and so forth. Right. So there's absolutely that going on as well. But it's also, it, it's consistent with the sacramentology that's been going on throughout the whole gospel because there is no record of the words of institution at the Last Supper. Right? He washes the feet of his disciples, but it doesn't include... In John's gospel. In John's yeah, gospel. Yeah, it right. doesn't include yeah. you know the words of institution. Yeah. It doesn't include that. But there is the wedding of Cana, the wine. Yes. And <laughs> well, if you go to the next chapter, it's chapter three with Nicodemus. He says, unless you're born of water, born of water and, and, and spirit. spirit. Yes. Yes. Right. So there's a motif that's been, we should have an episode about this because I wrote a paper on it that I'm proud of. I was, I was okay. a paper that was like, quoted in some Spanish academic journal oh, actually, wow. on a, on the motif uh, of a new family being created throughout the gospel of John. So we'll, okay. we'll have an episode about this someday. Sure. But, so I'd say if you read through all the Johannine literature, uh, it, it just becomes clear that there's a sacramental thing going on here. So there's, and and you can say, and of course, you know, people will say, well, what's so special about baptism and uh, the Eucharist? Well, the Spirit. Right? Yeah. It's that the Spirit descends upon you in baptism and the Spirit descends in the epiclesis at right. the Eucharist. Right? Yes. So the three of those are being handed over by Christ as he dies. Yeah. Right? Oh, yes. So yeah. that's, in one sense, the first Pentecost. There's two Pentecost yep. stories, really. Well, yeah, uh, it, we, we, are we thinking that? Oh, you mean in chapter 21? I'm talking about, okay. yes. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry, chapter 20. Yeah, chapter yeah. 20, okay. that's right, yes. Um, right, so there's actually two other points to draw out, I think, okay. sure. in, when it gets to chapter 20. So mm -hmm. one is um, at the two. So if you go to the next mm -hmm. chapter, so if, if you are in chapter 20 here, um, you can see Mary Magdalene. It's the first day of the week. Yes. Uh, so again, echo back to Genesis there. Uh, and there, um, what ends up happening um, is, uh, or the, the scene of the tomb. Uh, uh, now, when uh, verse thirteen, uh, there's this confusion where she's like wondering, oh, where mm -hmm. have they taken him? And yes. okay, why are you weeping? And so on. And she thought he was the gardener, you know, the guy who's in charge of a garden, which also recalls Genesis. <laughs> right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes. But. So this is um, it, the gardener himself, right? Capital G gardener. Yep. Um, but what's curious is verse seventeen, and this, this, I mean, when you're listening, uh, when Jesus says, "Do not hold on to me, <laughs> because I have not yet ascended to my Father," and I was wondering, well, wouldn't this be a great moment of embracing? And of course yes, it was, right? But, but... I, and, and yeah, the translation is probably more like, stop clinging on to me. Sometimes you see it translated as, don't touch me. But it's really more something like, don't stop grasping me, you know, stop, stop right. clinging to me. Right? Okay, and so what does that have to do with the gift of the Spirit? Uh, would be my question. Mm -hmm. And so Augustine, St. Augustine points out that one of the reasons why he's saying, do not hold on to me, is uh, one it's it's starting to loosen our mind a little bit from focusing on the material right in front of us or the flesh in this case the incarnation okay. so that that's just part of it uh and the other thing is that in he's going to he says he's going to ascend to his father but in withdrawing to the father or being exalted on high and then sending the, before the sending of the spirit, but in the sending of the spirit, when Jesus ascends, what he's doing is he's uh, stimulating uh, faith and love, uh, mm. which are gifts of the spirit. Mm. So, in other words, um, he's he's helping Mary to now grow in faith, like Saint Thomas will have to do as well. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is is well, and as he's been trying to do all throughout his farewell discourse, where he's like, "I'm gonna have to leave you behind. Get ready for it now. Yes. <laughs> right? You're gonna, it's good for you because I'm gonna send my spirit, but just be prepared. I'm gonna go somewhere where you can't quite follow me yet. Right? Like he's he's saying this over and over and over again. So actually, yeah, that makes perfect sense. This is him that theme coming up again. Right. You're gonna have to let go of me. Yes, um, and it ties in with like say Saint Irenaeus and his take on uh, 
the, what life is here below. It's uh, the, so, the theodicy of soul uh, uh, making or uh, of evil. Uh, so there, basically what Irenaeus is saying is that this world is good, it's not perfect. Uh, God never said it was perfect, it is good. And what we're doing is growing in virtue. Right, this pro this progress uh, progression is going on, uh, and so this is going to allow. Uh, this is Saint Augustine saying, our hearts to dilate. Yeah. All right, so mm -hmm. so to 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 uh, grow in faith and love when Jesus ascends. Mm -hmm. So this this is an important act for us to grow, uh, and and why? Because this is uh, um, one of Augustine's favorite lines is about in Romans 5, uh, 8. Uh, and, and so there, there's this um, staircase where Paul is saying, um, uh, you, you know, we go through this um, sufferings or tribulations. Tribulation in, in this in, uh, inculcates uh, endurance. Endurance then leads to proven character and proven character to hope. And our hope does not disappoint us because the Spirit of God has been shed abroad within our hearts. So I guess and keeps continuing coming back to this idea. So our hearts are, have received now the spirit, the same spirit which was there at um, hovering over the abyss of the deep, uh, right, in Genesis. And here, if uh, we go back to this section in John's Gospel, when Jesus shows up in the upper room. Mm -hmm. So, so this, is, this is him talking to Mary while well, we looked at that. Now in the upper room, uh, verse 19, we're told again, it's the evening. Of the first day, mm -hmm. uh, right? Um, in there, the doors locked. Jesus says this: "Peace be with you." And in Hebrew, uh, the word for peace is shalom, a, a common greeting. Uh, in Arabic, say salam, right? And so, mm -hmm. and he has to give them peace. And what does he do next? He shows them the hand side, and then again he repeats it: "Peace be with you." Uh, and when he had done this, he breathed on them. And so this is, uh, in, well, again, the important act, because uh, why does he need to, I mean, peace be with you is, is a greeting, a common Jewish greeting, but why does he have to say that to them? Well, they're just, they're still disturbed, my goodness. Right? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah buried, from yeah. See, seeing a, uh, this, the risen Lord before he has. Uh, mm -hmm. Why else? Well, I mean, peace means something a little more than an absence of disturbance. Yeah, right. and, well, yeah, and and they've they're in mortal sin, right? They mm -hmm. they they've committed apostasy. Mm -hmm. uh, they denied him, uh, mm -hmm. right? And so he needs to forgive them. Uh, and so this is the uh, forgiveness, and in the spirit which comes upon them, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and, and so um, yeah, and, and then that's what he says in verse twenty-two: receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, and then he's talking about uh, forgiveness of sins and retaining them and so on. Which is going to come up, I think, again in Acts 2. The theme yeah. of, that, that, that's something yes. very important that's going on, which is that the Pentecost is a purification of sin and a defeat of sin. That'll come up when I talk about Zephaniah. But yeah, yeah so the, yes. breathing of, yeah, the breathing of the Holy Spirit yeah. upon them means, again, here's, and here's also one of the basis of uh, the sacrament of uh, confession. Right, because right. it wouldn't make sense for him to say, uh, if you forgive the sins of others, they're forgiven. Mm -hmm. Unless Jesus is assuming people are going to confess their sins to right. him. Right? And by virtue of the spirit, they can forgive. Because there's a, yeah. and, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in greater detail next, sure. next week. There's a participation in the Trinity here. Right? Yep. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then he breathes the Holy Spirit upon them. Right? And of course, yes, in one sense, that means like Christ has been sent to earth and he's now sending us out to preach, you know, and, and evangelize. But that's a participation in what's going on eternally. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, that the there's a procession from the Father. Uh, well, first the Son proceeds from the Father, and then we would say the Holy Spirit proceeds from them both. It's shared amongst them, right? Right. Uh, yeah. As as we see on the cross, and then you know He gives the ghost up to His Father, yes. and he hands it over to us, which yes. means we are now being caught up into participating in that trinitarian exchange, um, just like. Just like the Rublev icon, which we talked about before, right? right? This, yes, this, we're, yeah. we're invited into the table, right? That's right. That in fourth the community. seat, so, yeah, at, yes. at, at the table. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess the only thing that I would add to that is it's it's through the Paschal mystery. I mean, that, that's perhaps a given, but it's it's through no, it's, that that yeah, yeah, This exactly, is this yeah. is the Paschal mystery unfolding right here when he mm -hmm. appears them. And so yeah, it's it's being yeah. So they're drawn up into that life. The Paschal mystery being like you know Easter. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's the life death. Resurrection and sending of the Holy Spirit yes, is, yeah, is, yeah. is 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 um, 
uh, the Paschal Mystery, which they're the brought up through. Mm-hmm. And so in, in that sense, if you think of it um, in ecclesial terms, um, so ecclesial being church, it, this is the body of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And so the Christ's body now, there's the head that is ascended to heaven, but the members remain below. And so in that sense, too, they're making God's kingdom present wherever they uh, are. Yes. So if you go back, say, like in Luke's gospel, uh, when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of darkness, uh, right? He says, uh, the strong man is bound up. Uh, and he says, if by the finger of God... I cast out uh, Satan and, and, and the evil spirits, then know that the kingdom of God is amongst you, right? I just come here, it's here. So this is the, the power of the kingdom now is going to uh, unfold, unfurl through these disciples of Christ. He has ascended and now they take on his body yeah. in that sense. Through, in, yeah. Uh, okay, very good, very good. Uh, so we have these two Pentecosts uh, that are there and um, now, once we see, in, well, speaking of Luke, uh, if we turn the page, uh, or maybe two pages, uh, to Acts of the Apostles, th- there it's a very interesting interim period, uh, which we see at the opening when it, you know, Jesus is not quite as this is before ascension, and one of the opening questions they ask is, uh, when are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? A fascinating question. Um, and the, the, the term here, well, Jesus' reply, it's a classic teacher reply. Like, mm-hmm. hey, it's, it's not on the test. Or is this, is this <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, right. Like, so so um, it's not for you to know the, the time or the hour. And, and or, uh, the day or periods, times or periods. And the word in Greek there is chronos. Ah, okay. So they're thinking, uh, and they're kind of obsessing about this, chronos, right? Uh, and so here they're, they're now, like the people nowadays who have to determine the exact date of the Lord's <laughs> return, right? Is, sure. is, it gonna, is well, this the Chronos? Is it going to be May twenty second to twenty thirty five or whatever? Right? I, 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 that's part of it because, mm-hmm. and they're also in the um, uh, still have the half their mind in the old age. So, so Augustine talks about three ages. There's the um, uh, age before the law. Then there's the age under the law, and then there's the age. Uh, of grace after the law and so they're still in between uh, the age under the law and after the law and they're wondering about hey uh, the kingdom of God remember you said like the spirit is amongst you uh, you're casting out demons and so on the kingdom of God's here like um, do we get like a military uh, as well assortment do we do we get um, some nice fine buildings to uh, have our headquarters in um, and, and, and so on and so this is a after Pentecost, this question is never asked again uh, because they have a revolution. The revolution, well, it's the fullness of, of the Spirit that comes upon them, but they have a revolution in their understanding of what the kingdom of God is. All right, so, so you can see them, they're still in this interim period between the two um, ages. And fittingly, um, what happens next is they elect Matthias as the... Um, 12th apostle and that's important uh, why well the question is when's Israel going to be restored well the 12 representing the tribes so now Israel has been restored uh, in in this sense and so now uh, it, the stage is set for the um, official birth of the church mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if you want to think of it that way uh, okay anything else you want to add for uh, the opening of chapter one uh, not at this time okay so um, going to chapter two then, uh, and this is where we see uh, what's what's unfolding. It's suddenly, like heaven, this sound of a rush of violent wind filled the entire house. And again, you call um, numa or ruah uh, can be wind, spirit, breath. And notice um, the word violent. Why now? Why do you think that that might be the case? Well. God's presence is unsettling. Uh, we see in Psalm 50 uh, where it talks about this consuming fire, uh, this great violent wind that is before God's throne. And so uh, to be, be in God's presence, that is, that is something that does rivet uh, the pillars of the temple and also the uh, foundation which we think our lives are going to be set upon our, our, our day-to-day activity. So uh, this is happening. Divided tongues as fire appeared amongst them. And a, a tongue rested on each of them. And, and fire, I don't know if you want to speak to that, but what, what's, why is fire associated with God's spirit? Uh, well, 
you know, I, I, this, I saw this point made once, you know, I'll be thinking okay. of the four elements that the Greeks identified. Okay. Um, there's dirt, yeah. and that's us. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the other three are all associated with the Holy Spirit all through Scripture. Uh, you can think okay. of fi yeah. fire, wind, and water, right? All, right, all yeah. at different times are in some way connected to the mm. Holy Spirit. Uh, I can, uh, I, it depends when it's being used. Right. Yeah. Um, in some ways it's, and, and I hope to talk about this, it's destructive. Yes. Right. It destroys the enemies of God. Uh, it pure, uh, specifically, it purifies. Yeah. Right? Redemptive suffering. Um, so there's a positive and a negative. And I also would note fire is enlightening. Right. So there's an yeah. invocation, probably a Genesis one here. Right. Right. There's yeah. there's um, Christ has left, so there's a kind of absence. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's ascended. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's and they're all together in one place. Um, waiting, sort of like a, like the chaos is waiting for God almost, and yeah. then suddenly there's a, a violent wind that pulls and fills the whole house. It sounds like a universal image, right? Yeah. Uh, and then there's suddenly light everywhere with fire. Yes. Uh, so uh, there's a, there's a sense that there's a new creation going on, like like what you're saying. It's a new age is being yes. born. Yeah. So those are some things that possibly could be going on. But yeah. for that to happen, there the old age has to end. Yes. So fire has well, to come and destroy it. And, you and you're talking about, yes, yeah, so speaking of destruction, fires can be cataclysmic. I mean, think you know, Albertans probably familiar with, with yes. um, forest fires, mm -hmm. right, wildfires and so on. And what can happen um, is great destruction. Once they pass over, um, often you also, it takes time, uh, new forests will grow, mm -hmm. right, uh, uh, from the ashes. Mm -hmm. So it's part of the, the cycle, too, in, in uh, ecology. And uh, here, I think of in our uh, salvation history, uh, right? So this advent of the Spirit then is one, just like Jesus forgiving the the apostles in sin, uh, right? It's it's mm -hmm. consuming that, it's it's removing and destroying that old um, way of modality, right? And bringing us to to newness of life. So mm -hmm. it can be very painful, <laughs> uh, and 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 uh, like. Um, when uh, fire or clay is is put in, uh, um, is kindled, right to to, to harden it, uh, and so this is the same thing uh, with the potter um, yeah, shaping right, us. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so this is not something okay, um, right? And then so then um, this is unloosing their ability to speak or their tongues, yeah. right? And then and then the spirit gives them the, this ability. Now, um, there's. Obviously, uh, some echoes here of the Tower of Babel, uh, right? Uh, and we've we've talked about this as well before uh, with the nations and what it represents in Babylon. Uh, and here, uh, so whereas the nations were once scattered, now they are gathered. And I think you had pointed this uh, before we began recording. But what you are going to see next is a. I mean, if you have to read these, uh, you know, in public or uh, in liturgy, it's it's a bit difficult. Yes, you need the lectionary to have the little uh, pronunciation yeah, guide. Yeah, or Egypt, but before, Actually, before you make the point, okay, sure. for those who may have forgotten, right. uh, in Genesis, uh, we, we did four podcasts about this, but I think everyone knows the story of the Tower of Babel, basically. Oh, but yeah. remember the context. You got Genesis 9, you know, the flood ends, and then there's the Noah thing, and that sets up what happens next. Genesis 10 is what's famously called the Table of Nations. Where they say, okay, out of out of his three sons, out of Noah's three sons, Shem, and Japheth, here are how they all descend. And again, it's a long genealogy that you may wonder what's it there for, um, but it's, it's essentially setting up the rest of the Bible in some ways, saying right, yeah. like all of the nations are part of God's salvific plan. So having then listed all the nations in Genesis ten, then we start with Genesis eleven, and you know all the nations which were supposed to scatter, right? That's yes. that's actually God's uh, command to Adam and to Noah. Right, fill the earth up. So right. they kind of hang around together in one place and then, you know, hubristically say we're going to build this tower. Uh, Scott Hahn, I think, speculates that maybe they wanted to escape the flood if it ever happened again. Like, okay. <laughs> they yeah, they sure. built something so high they could okay. climb up. Great and then, idea. you know, in order to prevent this from happening, God uh, changes their languages and, and, and forces them to scatter all over the earth in some sense, right? right. Now, the interesting thing then, well, I guess pick up, now, now having, having reminded everybody that's what's going on in Genesis, what do you note about, uh, about this? Well, they, they, they've come from all these other lands uh, that, are, that are widespread. And um, here? Yeah, verse, uh, well, verse 8, I guess, but verse 9, right? Yeah. How is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? And then, verse 9, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judah, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia. Okay, so why is it listing all these off? Part of it is that this is 
a table of nations. <laughs> it's just like Genesis 10, right? It's, this guy was the son of this guy, and this is the son from this guy, and this is the... So this is here on purpose. It's meant to remind you of Genesis, to say, yes, just like that was the... Uh, uh, there was a table of nations, and then a scattering that happens with all the different languages. Here, it's the inverse of it. It's a table of nations, again, listing all... And, and by implication, it's supposed to mean... You know, then it says, like, visitors from Rome is how it ends, right? Like, yes. It, I mean, that's, that's a blanket statement for, it, in a sense, it's symbolically the whole world, right? Yeah. The whole known world, you know. Right. And so these and the, and these will be the birthplaces, then, of where, where the shoots of the body of Christ, the, the church, is going to emerge, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and so th throughout uh, to the ends of the earth, the ends of the world. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. And then... Um, and then Peter gets up and has to address the crowd, <laughs> explaining uh, uh, they are inebriated, but with new wine. Yes, yeah. uh, so uh, playing on that. If people think they're drunk and Peter says, well, we're not literally drunk. It's still 9 a.m. However, all right, they're drunk on the spirit. That's right. right. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And so this is uh, going out. And you can see in his speech that he's quoting from Joel, uh, right? He's saying, on everyone, right? So, uh, well, uh, those who are servants, both men and women, uh, young or old, uh, your daughters, uh, your old men, and so on. And, and so this is, um, the spirit is now, unlike the uh, old covenant, uh, this is now dispensed on everyone, uh, right? So uh, whatever nation you're from, uh, or whatever demographic, uh, right? This, this is the spirit now is descending, it is for you. Uh, and um, for your uh, children, uh, yes. Um, all right. So th there you have, uh, and then Peter will unfurl later on what, what, what's happening with uh, the, the Psalms and the, the right. Yeah, there's, an there's an expository, yeah, there's an explanation of the Psalms. Yeah. And and the question then becomes, what do we need to do to be saved? Because they're cut to the heart uh, when they see us. And the answer here is be baptized every one of you and receive the gift of the holy spirit and so this is that water and blood uh right and this is the uh, from the side of christ so this is this this is the again the the body of christ uh, now continuing on uh and and growing uh this this really is the birth uh here of of of, of the church in earnest mm -hmm. in pentecost uh so uh, I, I think it, it can be helpful then to think, well, what about it? Now, I know, I know you want to talk about Zephaniah, but I yes. I think the question is, now what? Mm -hmm. So what does this have to do with us uh, here today? Um, well, it's, uh, there's a few things, I think. Okay. Um, but one of them is, this is supposed to be a guy, well, okay. The chapter ends by describing what that body of Christ looks like, right? They, which is what we talked about before. It's that print, that early communism, right? They had, well, first oh, yes. of all, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. The definite article there, the prayers, makes it seem as though it's, it's like formal liturgical prayers, you know? Uh, and then there's many wonders and signs that are done. And then uh, they spend time together in the temple and they break bread at home and they praise God all the time and they share everything and they give to the poor. This is obviously what uh, we are supposed to be doing, right? This is sort of a mandate right, oh, for okay. what the church is. So that we see this right away and think, okay, well, this is this is what we should be now. Okay. okay but how do we do that? Well, I think that's what the first half of this, well, first seventy-five percent of this chapter is about. Okay. By our own efforts, sorry, Karl Marx, but by our own efforts, <laughs> we can't get there. Right? Right, right. It has to be a supernatural, a not a Kronos, but a Kairos. It has to be a moment that God acts in our lives. Right. right? Um, that would be my, and, and there's, there's, none of this can be done without the spirit. Not really. Not in a way that's pleasing to God. Not in a way that's really effective. Well, not, yeah, absolutely. Like they're, they're, they're one moment gathered in the upper room, they're kind of uncertain. And then the next they're even, you know, Peter gets up there and, and is launches into his sermon. Yes, <laughs> All right? yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, th this is the, um, the great proof. Of, of Christianity is this transformation, this radical transformation. Which I think, I mean, that's also what Luke's, just like John says, you know, like, 
here's all these proof basically there's not enough to write it all down but here's here are proofs so that you can know you don't have to be like thomas you don't have to like see him physically but you could know that christ is risen right? yes blessed yeah. are you who haven't seen that's how acts begins right it mentions um you know jesus was seen on earth and after his suffering he presented himself alive by many convincing proofs oh great look at all these great convincing proofs but now he's ascended well where do all those proofs go yeah here yes <laughs> it's supposed to be us right, right? we're the convincing these, most these excellent them. theophilus you're the proof or should be the proof yes right? in our own lives right so and we can't be unless christ lives in us which happens through the spirit right which 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 ties into another important motif and this is uh, more obvious in, in paul's writings that we are now temples of the holy spirit now you mentioned they're they're praying in the temple uh while it was still on earth uh in, in the practicing their old faith but the temple is gone right uh the yeah. physical one uh, well at least the brick and mortar one uh whereas now it's the living stones which are now the temples of the holy spirit so now we glorify god in our body so which will be fleshed out throughout acts especially stephen's uh sermon before he's executed we'll really make that point like we don't need the we don't need the temple for this right the temple is an accommodation basically yeah which is probably one of the reasons why he is martyred there exactly uh, yeah. right mm -hmm. uh, and, and it gets here getting to the question of, you know, what does this have to do with us now? Okay, well, we believe in Jesus. Uh, we uh, accept the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're, okay, we're temples of the Holy Spirit. Well, here it's helpful to remember, this is St. Augustine pointing this out, is that the Spirit then becomes almost like our gravity, <laughs> right? It's, it's the one that draws us towards the good. It's it's the the spirit of God is what allows us to grow in love, draws us towards love, and so it, this is God infusing us then, uh, right, it, it, to allow us to delight in things that are good, mm -hmm. at the same time, repelling us from what is contrary to that, allowing us to resist what is evil, mm -hmm. and, and I think that what you pointed out there, uh, gathering together with others, that's very important. Mm -hmm. Right, because uh, around the breaking of bread, around the breaking of bread, mm -hmm. yeah. And so this is the again the body of Christ we're gathering around the body of Christ, mm -hmm. uh, and so we're not just solo out there uh, as as one lone voice or person or people, mm -hmm. right? But being drawn together, uh, having generous hearts, uh, right? Those are the hearts that are enlarged, right? To have uh, and praising God. Mm -hmm. That's it. To have God's name on our lips, uh, right? So the, the, another way of which we can live out Pentecost throughout the year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, okay, we want to say a little. All right, we want to say a little bit about I, Zephaniah. I, I, so this I, is helpful. I'm excited about yeah. Zephaniah. It's yes. it's not very long, so if you get a chance, check it out. It's it's mm -hmm. three chapters long. Mm -hmm. And um, three brief chapters is not Zechariah, which is a lot longer. No, this okay. is the one is the minor prophet, and that's why people get confused. I. I recommend reading through the whole Bible as often as you can, because you'll find lots of neat tidbits. Like, Zephaniah is not often read. Um, but I don't know if you find this, Dr. McClarney, but anytime I dig into a book of the Bible, it kind of becomes my favorite book of the Bible for, for as long as I'm studying it, because I'm always finding stuff that, like, unlocks for me a little. You know? Sure, yeah. I think that's... Um true of almost anything <laughs> well reading, okay, granted right? but, but in a yeah. unique way well i mean the whole scripture I, there's a reason why the church chose this canon and there's a reason why saint paul says that all scripture is inspired by god and is profitable yeah right zephaniah you may not think much about it i mean in fact i was reading some commentaries listening to some sermons and everyone starts this way you probably haven't read zephaniah much. <laughs> well maybe i can go a ways toward fixing this because you know scripture in some ways <laughs> it can be a little bit like those uh those 3d uh uh, what do you call those uh like paintings you know where you stare at it and you zone out and then like, oh, when you, yes, when you yes. see the pattern it, then it pops out and suddenly okay. it's all coherent but you know uh, and christ is that pattern right christ is oh. the pattern that unites wow. all of scripture and so zephaniah i think um I could do a podcast on Zephaniah. I'm going to go rapidly through a lot of things, so please just interrupt okay. me with any questions. Sure. I, I, I do love this book, and revisiting it has been great. Okay, so Zephaniah, he's prophesying during... It's, I'll, I'll, I won't go much through chapter two, but I'll, I'll, I want to skip through some things in chapter one and then get to chapter three, because I think what it, it's, it really enlightens what's going on in Acts... Watch, well, actually, Acts one through three. Okay. So it starts off by saying that um, he prophesied during the days of King Josiah. We know that was a time of reform, right? Josiah yeah. was like... Uh, one of the best kings of Judah, right? Because of how thoroughly he tried to reform, not ultimately effective. And Zephaniah actually gives us a clue as to why. But it's interesting because it starts off with a surprisingly long genealogy of Zephaniah. Zephaniah, the son of Cushi, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah. 
Now, people debate about a couple of things. First of all, is he descended from King Hezekiah? Okay. Which is pretty important because yep. he's talking about another great king, right? Another yep. great reforming king. There's also this detail of his father. Hmm. Now, Cush. What's Cush? He goes back to the table of nations, right? Yeah, yeah. The Cushites, isn't this from Ham? Uh, well, yes, it, it's yeah. the Ethiopians. Oh, okay. Ethiopia, which will come up in chapter 2. Now, the debates are, A, is he descended from King Hezekiah, and B, is his dad oh. is his dad an Ethiopian? Right. Which is really interesting. It would mean, if so, it means that one of the books of the Bible was written by a guy who's at least half African. Okay. Um, now, in my opinion, that doesn't... It doesn't really matter if that's actually King Hezekiah and if his dad is actually Ethiopian. I, I like to think that those are both true. But I think the point is, by bringing those names up, it's making a point. Okay. <laughs> right? It's like, at this point, this, this secular, this, uh, which is called Gentile nation, technically that's redundant, this non-Israelite nation, yeah. and this great Judaic king are both being invoked in the same uh, breath. Right, <laughs> right. Okay. And, and Zebediah is coming out of that tradition. Yeah. And that is going to be a theme of the book, is that yeah. um, Judah and the nations are both together in God's plan. Ah, okay. Uh, and now Zephaniah himself, wh whose name means God is hidden, right? Um, he maybe God hid him during some of the persecutions, who knows? But it's also going to be a theme in the book. So it starts off by saying, it's, it's the, God's going to judge Judah is a big theme of the book. And he starts off by saying, I will utterly sweep away everything from the face of the earth, says the Lord. I will sweep away humans and animals. I'll sweep away birds of the air and fish of the sea. That is Genesis 1, right? Yes. All the stuff that's created, God's saying, I'm going to wipe it clean. He's undoing creation. Now we know why. It's because there's going to be a new creation. Um, and then he goes on and says, I'm going to punish uh, Jerusalem for all of its idolatry. There's a lot about idolatry in here. Now then verse 7 is interesting. Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand. Now right away, the, the Hebrew there for be silent, it's literally hush. Okay. <laughs> hush. Uh, it, it, it comes up a few times, like whenever in the Bible it says they quieted a crowd. It's okay. literally, it's an automatic uh, hush. it's hushing. Right? Yeah. So first of all, I, there's all this noise, I guess you could say, going on. And it's saying, shut up, God's here. It comes up in like Habakkuk too, and I think, or, uh, or the third chapter of Habakkuk. It's like, be silent before the Lord God in okay. temple, right? But that's actually important, right? There's lots of talking, stop talking, God's here, right? So be silent before the Lord God, hush, for the day of the Lord is at hand. Now that's apocalyptic. Right. Yes. And now remember, also, let me say this right now in case I forget later. Pentecost ends Easter. There's something apocalyptic about that. Okay. Right after that is, is ordinary time, basically, right? Yeah. With Trinity. That's important. I think there's an apocalyptic element to Pentecost that we often miss. Ah. It foreshadows the day of the Lord. And so okay. for the day of the Lord is at hand. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice. Mm. A sacrifice. He has consecrated his guests, and on the day of the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the officials and the king's sons. And he says like, he's going to punish all these people. So he's setting up to deal with all this. Everyone be quiet. We're going to have a sacrifice. Now, when the Lord provides a sacrifice, let me let me give you a foretaste of where I'm going. Sure. In the Bible, especially the Old Testament, when yeah. God prepares a sacrifice, how does he usually light it? Fire. Fire falls yes. from heaven. Okay. Usually, yeah. Yeah. Right? To show God's approval. That's important. Okay. So then okay. It, it continues and says, I'm going to, you know, and then uh, it talks more about the great day of the Lord. First, uh, uh Starts in verse 14. The great day of the Lord is near. It's bitter. Then it says that day will be a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish and ruin and devastation. Um, this ended up in the traditional Catholic Requiem Mass, the hymn Dies Irae. Right. Uh, yes. Which the, the motif of that is used in movies all the time. Yeah. <laughs> for when someone's dying or something sad is happening. Yeah. And then Verdi and Mozart have their versions of it, which are both epic and cool. Yes. Uh, yeah. Wicked, as you put it. Yes. Um, in, in a non-theological yeah. sense. Yeah. Uh, that's quoting Zephaniah. So music uh, majors out there, note that. Uh, and again, then it mentions as well, First uh, 17, I'll bring distress upon the people that they'll walk if they're blind because they've sinned. Uh, and then neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath. In the fire of his passion, the whole earth shall be consumed. For a fall terrible end will he make of all the inhabitants of the earth. So mm -hmm. first it's going for, okay, so there's fire again, and then I'm going to punish my people, but also I'm going to punish the whole earth. Uh, chapter two is going through a list of the enemies of God or of the people, right? Yeah. There's and, a and notice it says in the fire of his passion. Fire of his passion, yeah. Yeah. Um, so passion can mean a lot of things, right? It's not yeah. just wrath. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's there's love involved in passion as well. Uh, you know, it mentions Gaza, Ashdod, Moab, familiar names. Uh, verse twelve mentions Ethiopians, mm -hmm. um, Cushites, as as I think your Bible has a footnote too. Uh, 
or Nubians, or the Hebrew is Cushites. Yep. So again, whether whether or not Zephaniah's dad was a Cushite, I, I can't. That must be included there on purpose. It's meant to invoke sure. this, in yep. my opinion. Okay. Um, so chapter two, it's a table of nations. It's doing the Genesis 10 thing again mm -hmm. by listing off a bunch of nations. But in this case, it's right. here's all these nations that I'm going to punish yeah. <laughs> for, for going astray and probably leading my people astray. Yeah. And then, what, what about Israel or Judah? Well, curiously okay. enough, yeah. he goes directly into that. Chapter 3 opens ah, by saying, okay. soil defiled oppressing city. That's Jerusalem. Ah. Now, this is horrifying, right? It's supposed to be that you know, the nations are the enemies. But, you know, Jerusalem and yeah. Judah, they're special to God. But here, no, it's just one of the nations. Right, I'm going to punish all the nations, including you. It's almost like they've lost their special status as wow. God's chosen okay. people. Because they're going to be punished because of all the bad stuff that, that's happened in it, right? In verse 6, he says, I, I have cut off nations. It's like, mm -hmm. so I've, list, I've listed all of these nations. I've mentioned Jerusalem, and that's, I've cut off nations. I've cut off Gentiles. You're, essentially, they've become Gentiles to me, right? Very... Um, Frightening, and he mentions, you know, because the prophets are and priests have defiled it and all this sort of thing. Um, now, this is familiar stuff, obviously, from the prophets. But let, then we get to verse eight of chapter three of Zephaniah. Mm -hmm. Therefore, wait for me, says the Lord, for the day when I arise as a witness. Now, Acts one, Jesus ascends. Ah, yes. Says, wait for me oh. in Jerusalem, yeah. in the city, right yeah. until I can come. So. First of all, that's that's evoking that I think. For and, my and, oh, can I add to that? And he also says, "You will be my witnesses in Judea, right, that's Samaria, right, yes. and to the end of the world." Yes, yeah, yeah. And what's fascinating is the word in Greek for witness is martyr or martyria. Right, right, yeah. And yeah. so uh, he, it, it means technically witness, but we can read that on another level. You'll be my martyrs. Right, right. and in martyring you will witness to me, which it's goes to the point about the, the yeah. proof of God, the yes. proof of Christ is in our witness, in our martyrdom. You know? And and uh, there again, going back, you mentioned in verse 8 again, the, end, uh, the fire of my passion. Mm. So you can think of Christ's passion, then his witnesses mm. also being... Uh, the colors red, right? Uh, right, right. right. Our, our martyrdom participates in his passion. Yeah, and, right, and right. the mm -hmm. same color for Pentecost and the Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. Right, right. Actually, that's so, fantastic. Uh, and actually, the fact that this is—it's God is the witness by by virtue of Christ saying, "You will be my witnesses." Again, it shows that we're participating in what God is doing. That's right. right. Which means participating in the Trinity. So then, the next—I mean, not even the next verse. Next part of this verse of seven I three verse eight: For my decision is to gather nations to assemble kingdoms, to pour out upon them my indignation, the heat of my anger, the fire of my passion, so that mm -hmm. all the earth shall be consumed. Now again, Acts 2 opens by saying that the apostles were all together in one place, then broadly Pentecost, we don't have time probably to get into this, but you know, Levit go to Leviticus 23. It's one of the three feasts where all Jewish men had to travel to Jerusalem, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, Jerusalem wasn't there in Leviticus, but, like, you know, that's how it developed. Yeah, right? well, like, we, we should, okay, may quickly mention this. Sure, Because means, yeah. it's, an, it's an important thing, is that, yep, so Passover, mm -hmm. Pentecost, and then uh, Temple of Booths, or Feast of Booths in the mm -hmm. fall, these are the, when you're asked, asked to go up on pilgrimage to Jerusalem. So the reason for our Pentecost and the Jewish feast, because they're celebrating the Jewish feast of Pentecost, yeah, that's right. and often our... Uh, students and uh, are confused as to uh, they only heard of a Christian Pentecost, mm -hmm. not the Jewish one. And so there, the uh, timeline is important because it's fifty. What happens fifty days after Passover is Pentecost. Mm -hmm. In in Exodus, what happens fifty days after the Passover? They get to Mount Sinai, and this is when Christ Giving receives. The law. Uh, sorry, the, uh, Moses, Israel, the Moses law, right? receives mm -hmm. the law. Yeah. Uh, and so this is the written with, and it's, it, and it's a Sabbath of Sabbaths. Right, it's a Sabbath. It's seven sevens. That's right. right. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, yeah. and so and this is the um, finger of God, right, writing uh, on the tablets, which mm -hmm. Jesus is evoking. Then uh, that verse we mentioned earlier is, "If by the finger of God, I cast out mm -hmm. uh, right. Satan mm -hmm. or the devils, then the, the kingdom of God has come near." Mm -hmm. And so this is the uh, presence of God at, at Mount Sinai, when uh, th that's uh, revealing the wisdom of God uh, in, in giving the Mosaic law. So, so going back to Augustine's thing about this is a new age, right? The first age ends when Moses is given the law on 50 days after Passover. Yes. The time of yeah. the law ends when 50 days after Easter, after Pascha, after Passover, yes. the Holy Spirit is given. Right. right? To replace yes. the law, right? Yeah. So, you know, Paul's whole thing about law and spirit is going on here. Um, now let me not lose sight of this. So, sure, sure. Given, having given, having said all this, right? Okay, so right. So, 
the importance here is that all of Jewish men have to be present in Jerusalem. I mean, able-bodied and all this yeah. are present. So that's, and again, Acts 2, which I really should have kept my finger in. But sure. that shows up a couple of times in that, the, the, the language of they were all, Acts 1, Acts 2, verse 1, then the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Well, it could mean the apostles, but it also mm. sort of means... I mean, it's it could sort of mean everybody, right? right. Symbolically, everybody's yes. together in one yes. place. And then, uh, yeah, verse five. See, well, there it is. There were devout Jews from every nation under heaven. Right. Again, that's not literal, but symbolically, it represents the whole world, right? Living in Jerusalem, right? So they're all together in one place in a really uh, <laughs> literal and symbolic way. So. And again, that's what Zephaniah 3.8 is saying. Therefore, wait for me for the day when I will rise as a witness. For my decision is to gather nations. Why? To pour out them the fire of my passion, and all the earth shall be consumed. Verse 9. Here's the, the real decisive one. Yeah. At that time, I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech. Ah. That all of them may do what? Call upon the name of the Lord and serve him with one accord. Now again, right. Acts uh, chapter 2, right? So, I mean, we know this happened. Everyone's gathered together. Fire falls down in a sacrificial way, which, by the way, I, I will note, doesn't that seem a bit like Paul saying, make your body a living sacrifice, right? Fire falls down yes. right? and lights yes. it up. Um, yeah. And then they you know, they hear this miraculous thing happen. And then Paul pre uh, Peter preaches about, the, about the, the death of Jesus. They're convicted. And he says those who call on the name and exactly. of the Lord. What should we saved. do? Yeah. Repent and be baptized, everyone who in the name of Jesus. Exactly. Yeah, those who, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord yes. shall be saved. That's, yep. That seems unmistakable to me. In fact, and then going on there, uh, Zephaniah uh, 3.9, I'll change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech. So again, right, and Zephaniah is opened by saying, hush, stop. The Lord's going right. to come do a thing. Now it's saying, okay, I'm ah. going to come and clean your clean yes. your mouths out with soap, basically. <laughs> with, yes, with fiery yes. soap. Yeah. Now everyone's going to... And so Babel has been undone. I, I read a scholar... This is an interesting argument, but it, it's, it relies on the chiastic structure. It's kind of hard to explain verbally. You need like a diagram. But sure. he, he argues that if you look in Genesis, all the curses from the first few chapters have a blessing involved. So like Adam oh, right. and Eve are cursed, but yep. there's also like, you're going to have, you know, you're going to work by the sweat of your brow, Adam, but you're going to have bread. You yes. know, you're going to suffer even labor, but you're going to have kids, right? Yeah. All the, you know, Cain, you're going to wander everywhere, but I'm going to make sure no one kills you. Right. But with uh, Genesis 11, with Tower of Babel, there's no blessing associated with it. It's just kind of an unmitigated curse, it seems. Oh, okay. Uh, and then the pay, and so there's, you know, everyone's gathered together. Uh, they have one purpose and then God, uh, scatters, you know, messes up their language, right? If you get the chiastic structure, then yeah. this would be the inversion of that, like the reverse oh, chiastic structure. So Zephaniah right? answering Genesis well, 11. In some sense, Genesis, yeah, exactly. Genesis is incomplete. Yeah. Yes. Well, actually, it's incomplete until Acts, but even that, it's li literally incomplete until Zephaniah, because then it's right. reversed, right? Language is purified, then there's a new intention, and then once again, they're all gathered together, right? Like, it yes. kind of echoes back to it. And, you know? and they, in Babel, they're trying to make a name for themselves, mm -hmm. uh, right? right? As opposed right. to here, opposed to where the it's the, the name of the Lord, right. which, yeah, which yeah. ties into the hush. But it's like, okay, here, <laughs> let me give you a word, right. a yes. logos. Let me give you the word, the name. Yeah, actually, uh, yeah, yeah. It's silent so you can get my name put yeah. upon you. And yeah. you see it throughout Acts is the power in the name of Jesus. I think so. Uh, and, yeah. and then yeah. I, well, through Acts, then, and then Zephaniah 3, yep. verse 10, yep. from beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, mm -hmm. my suppliants, my scattered ones shall bring my offering. I'm going to suggest that's you can see the Ethiopian eunuch who's baptized oh, as maybe being right. a reference. I mean, yeah. it's reference to a lot of things, but there's that going on here too. Yeah. Uh, and then it says, uh, I will get rid of your pride. Uh, you will, in verse 11, you will no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. Again, it's almost like instead of the Tower of Babel, which was haughty. Right, you're gonna be uh, there's there's gonna be uh, lowly. Well, it's verse twelve. Okay. So sorry, what verse are we in now? Oh, uh, we're in verse eleven. Okay. Oh, verse uh, at the end of that one, it says, you know, you shall. Well, it says, I will remove oh. from you your midst all your proudly exalted ones. Oh, That's the right, spirit right. of Babel. Right? Sure. Okay. No one will be haughty in my holy mountain. I will leave you in the midst of you a people humble and lowly. Right. This is right. the opposite of Babel. Yeah. They shall seek refuge not in a tower, but in the name of the Lord, yes. the remnant of Israel who will do no long, no wrong, utter no lies. Uh, nor shall a deceitful uh, thing tongue be found in their mouths. So again, it's a pure. It's not just they're speaking other languages. It's that they're not lying anymore, right? Um, yeah. and, and finishing that verse, right? They will pasture and lie down. And, and so that's very much uh, 
a messianic image, right? Yes, of, yeah, yeah. Of Christ the Good Shepherd leading them. Mm -hmm, right, uh, which right? continues on to, uh, right, exactly. They're going to be pastured. No one will make them afraid. And I should mention, I, I said I was going to skip chapter 3, or chapter 2. <laughs> okay. Chapter 2, verse 3. Okay. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land. So again, that's humility. Um, who do his commands. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. Perhaps you will be hidden on the day of the Lord's wrath. So first of all, there's Zephaniah's name again. Mm -hmm. The Lord will hide you. But also, doesn't that sound familiar? Like, seek the Lord because maybe you'll be spared. Because that's what happens in Acts chapter 2, right? They hear, oh, you know, you you killed Jesus, right? <laughs> and let everyone know that, uh, you know, God is the one whom you crucified. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. What should we do? <laughs> Brothers, what should we do to be saved, right? Yeah. Um, and then he goes on and says in verse 40 of chapter 2 of Acts, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Like, that's the fulfillment of this, right? right. The humble remnant who yes. are going to be spared from this judgment that's going to come, right, are those who are humble, who undo the pride of battle and call on the name of the Lord and are purified by this fire and given a new tongue, right? right? A, a, a tongue that's not lying and a tongue that brings this unity, right, with, uh, with each other, right? Yeah. And a unity that goes even, you know, in, in practice even beyond language, right? The unity of the, of the Catholic Church, the universal church. Um, and then... The rest of it's very happy. It's all rejoicing. Sing aloud, O daughter Zion, uh, which is used in the catechism to apply to the Virgin Mary, actually. Right. <laughs> she sees yes. the fulfillment of this. Yeah. But, of course, then in Acts 2, well, and then, well, actually, let us let's let me jump now then to, he says, you know, the Lord has taken away your judgment. Um, then verse 17, the Lord is in your midst. Um, he will exalt over you as with, with loud singing. God will sing over you. It's a beautiful image. As yeah. on a day of festival maybe like a day like Pentecost. <laughs> right, yes. And then uh, I will yes. deal with your, in verse 19, I will deal with your oppressors at that time and I will save the lame and gather the outcast and change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. Acts 2, Pentecost, Acts 3, what's the first miracle that happens right afterwards? Right, it's, it's the lame man. A lame man is healed and, yeah. and everyone rejoices. Right, it, it, it's exactly the celebratory. I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful. I mean, Zephaniah three fourteen through twenty. It's just if you want to be in a good mood, check it out. It's such an exultant. And what's amazing to me is it's God is the one who's going to be singing according to this. And in Acts two and three, it's you know it's the church that's singing, which which comes in throughout Acts. Right, the church gets together and sings and rejoices, which to me is like that's Christ singing through them. This goes back to Augustine and the Psalms, right? Like right. Yes. The, the, the songs of the church are Christ singing through us and rejoicing over us. Yeah. Uh, and, and, okay, sorry. No, no, no please. Go well, I was just going to yeah. see how it ends. I don't know if you want to uh, no, go, ahead, go to please. verse yeah, 20, because yeah. then when uh, the last line is, right, um, for I'll make your uh, you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. So restoring fortunes, which going back to Acts 3, the healing of the man, it's not silver or gold, which... Uh, mm, Peter right. or John can offer oh, him. That's right. Yes. Right? Yes. So, so this is not the fortune which he's yes, after, really. Yes. But he is restoring his fortune. So this is this is because uh, now he is uh, he's healed, right? Which is which shows up in in Zephaniah as well about like you know basically when God's judgment comes. Oh yeah, it's verse uh, chapter one, verse eighteen. Neither neither their silver nor, nor their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath. Right? Silver and gold have I none. That's not what you need. That's right. So with God's punishment, what you need is humility and righteousness, and to call on the name of the Lord. And that is the important point about the Book of Acts. Right? About about Acts chapter two. Um, I mean, recently, you know, we've had a return of charismatic worship in the Catholic Church. I think that's a great thing. Um, Irenaeus actually talks a bit about how there was still speaking in tongues going on in his day. And there are records of other saints speaking in tongues. Sure. Um, yeah. I believe like um, Francis Xavier, uh, Prince of Ferrer, I think Saint uh, Dominic maybe even. Um, but uh, there's also, uh, let me see, I wrote down to make, oh, Bernard of Clairvaux, right. Bernard of Clairvaux suggests that the reason it's at least taken a back seat is because of the great, you know, it was there to get everybody's attention basically, look at this crazy miracle. But the real miracle is a transformed life. Right. Okay. It's, right. it's it's a cruciform Christ-like life. At times, to kind of uh, I guess accentuate that, we see dramatic um, you know miracles in the conventional sense. Sure. Um, 
it's, but I, I sort of think of it as being like Jesus, you know, with the man lowered through the roof, right? He yes. says, My, your sins are forgiven. Well, how can you claim it? Okay, well, since you need the help, yeah. get up and walk too. Okay, right, now right. you believe me, basically. Yes, yes. Right? But the greater miracle is the forgiveness of sins, right? Absolutely. So tongues still happen, miraculous yeah. healing still happen, but if you're like, well, why don't they happen more? Well, because that's not the point, right? You could be miraculously healed. You could, like, like Paul says, if I speak in the tongue of men and angels, but have not love, what's the good of it? Right. Right. right? Yes. Um, we're supposed to love, and one way that can manifest is in these uh, supernatural miracles that are obvious and flashy and interesting, but that's to serve the ultimate miracle, which is that Christ has died and risen for us, right? And that we can yeah. participate in his love, you know, and the love that is the Trinity and the Father. That's what's right. going on in Pentecost and, and, and the book of Acts. Yeah, and call upon his name. And call upon the name of the Lord, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of which, I think we're pretty much come to the end of our time here. Uh, do, so. do you want to close with a prayer? Call on the name of the Lord. <sighs> Sure, absolutely. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Lord, thank you so much that we could uh, get together today and uh, open up your word and uh, hopefully glorify you by uh, seeing the way you revealed yourself through it. Uh, may we always speak truthfully. May we always speak with love. And may we always speak uh, with humility in a way that glorifies your name. May everything we do be inspired and supported by your Holy Spirit. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As it was, was in the beginning, beginning is now, now and never shall be, world, world without end. end. Amen. And St. Isidore, pray, pray for, for us. Exactly an hour. Wow. And I think we got basically everything in. So. <laughs> <laughs>